Section 6 of Gutenberg and the Art of Printing. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Gutenberg and the Art of Printing by Emily Clemens Pearson. Chapter 6. Unwelcome Visitors, Unjust Demand, A Compromise, Secret Firm, A Removal, Teaching the Workmen, Block Printing, Success. Day after day, Gutenberg busied himself with his associates in various labors, except at intervals when he engraved blocks, enlivened by the sprightly presence of Anna, or pursued his experiments in the recesses of the monastery. "'How famously you get on,' said Anna one evening, as she counted his pile of finished blocks, while he wrought at his engraving. There was a knock, and in an instant, to the consternation of both, Dritzen and Hielman opened the door, and without ceremony entered. Gutenberg was surprised, with block engraving tools in hand, and the Historia opened before him. "'Ah, what have we here?' asked Dritzen, stepping up to him. "'Something new in mystery?' "'Excuse me,' replied the inventor, coloring, "'if I waive an explanation for the present.' But, said Hielman, drawing near and speaking in excited tones, for he was a close man in money matters, thou didst engage to teach us thy arts if we would pay thee. It is true, answered Gutenberg, that I did covenant to show thee my arts of the lapidary and mirror business, but that agreement did not cover other arts which are only partly known to myself. Be prepared to do the fair thing, good master, said Dritzen. In paying thee, added Hielman, we understood that thou wouldst teach us all thy arts. We want our money's worth. I have found it necessary, observed Gutenberg, not appearing to notice the remark, to be favored with quiet and seclusion in pursuing any new branch of business, and I cannot succeed in this unless it be kept a profound secret. Still, money is needed to carry it on. This only made Dritzen more eager to learn the nature of the enterprise, and he answered, If that be all, we can keep thy secret, furnish funds, and perhaps help thee in the work. Gutenberg, with many misgivings, finally decided to trust them, first obtaining from each a formal pledge of secrecy. Then producing his cards and cuts, he explained, step by step, the process of making them. His callers expressed great interest and admiration. I can be of service in executing the figures, said Dritzen, as I am a draftsman. You could assist me in that direction, said the inventor, but I am now mostly engaged in engraving tablets for books. Making books by engraving, exclaimed Dritzen. When will the marvels cease? I have invented a way of imprinting books by a process unknown to any others. Only block picture books with inscriptions have approached the idea. Gutenberg then showed the Historia on which he was working. Master, cried Dritzen in amazement, a man of such genius will surely realize a fortune. Why, it would take the wages of a common artisan two years to buy such a work, and you have a large part of it done in a few weeks. But Hielman, afraid of new projects, was less sanguine. 
This will succeed, urged Dritzen aside to him, and we shall want to share in it, since also we know the secret, and have bound ourselves with an oath. We cannot honorably turn back. It only remains to aid Master Gutenberg to the extent of our power. Then, turning to Gutenberg, he said, But will not this art do away with copying? Not at once, replied Gutenberg. But if the copyists should get a hint of what this invention can do, they might seek to crush it. Moreover, the art is only begun. I learn something new day by day, and I have confided my secret to you that, as a firm, we may bring it to perfection. The sequel of the interview was that a written contract was drawn up by Gutenberg, who was a ready writer, and signed by them all, binding the parties for the term of five years on two conditions. First, that they pay Gutenberg the sum of 250 florins, 100 immediately, and the remainder at a certain fixed period. Second, that if any one of the partners should die during the time of the co-partnership, the survivors should pay to his heirs the sum of one hundred florins, in consideration of which the effects should become the property of the surviving partners. Other items followed, and above all, the profoundest secrecy was enjoined. Business, however, went on as usual through the day, and a customer, chancing in Gutenberg's workshop, would not have dreamed of the existence of the secret firm to prosecute the new art. Dritzen wrought as if in deep thought, but if at times he seemed to loiter, he made out his quota of work ere the day's decline. Heelman polished as usual on mirrors, and Rifa, although burdened with the secret, kept at work with his old cheerful whistle. When evening came, a second conference was held at the homeroom of Gutenberg's house, when Riffa also took the oath of secrecy and signed the contract. But Gutenberg was oppressed with foreboding, since his hidden occupation of the engraved blocks had been discovered by Dritzen and Heelman. He saw that others also might find it out. On mentioning his anxiety to the firm, Dritzen at once replied that the business ought to be removed to a more retired place and made offer of his own upper room. After examination, Gutenberg decided to make the change and a part of the engraving apparatus was forthwith carried to that place. In order, however, to cover appearances, and also meet expenses, it was judged best for Heelman and Riffa to continue the lapidary and mirror department, as usual, in the front shop, while Gutenberg and Dritzen were to spend a portion of their time in engraving blocks in the upper room of the latter, although some of the work was still done as before at the inventor's cottage. This arrangement seemed necessary to make the twofold occupations thrive. Hillman and Riffa still needed much instruction in gem and mirror polishing, and they had also the advantage of regular lessons in engraving, to which they were entitled by the Articles of Agreement. Gutenberg's Historia was necessarily somewhat hindered, as his attention was much occupied with teaching Dritzen in engraving blocks. As, however, the latter had skill in drafting, he very readily caught the ideas indispensable to the art. Accuracy in drawing the figure and a careful management of the graver's tool in cutting away the block so as to leave the lines raised. Dritzen made good progress in figure-cutting, 
on card engraving, which was the first lesson Gutenberg gave him. But in attempting to engrave letters, he was not so skillful. That department of the art can only be acquired by patience and labor, said Gutenberg to his pupil. I therefore advise that you continue on the figures. Thus pleasantly they wrought together, Dritzen on figures and Gutenberg on letters, for he still pursued the history of St. John. Hielman and Riffer were quite awkward as pupils in the art. In the first place, neither had any idea of drawing, and Gutenberg was under the necessity of teaching them the elements of that science. Then they could not read, and he must needs initiate them into the mysteries of the alphabet. Anna came to the rescue, or poor Gutenberg would have despaired of making them engravers. She taught one his letters, while her husband instructed the other in drawing straight and curved lines. Anna, after a time, hit upon a short route to accomplish both together, and required her pupil to draw a letter as soon as he had learned it. In this way, what with the efforts of Gutenberg and the suggestions of Anna, they soon made perceptible progress, and in due time were familiar with the alphabet and could draw it passably well. While occupying most of their time with the lapidary and mirror business, they still gave several hours each day and evening to the new art. When Gutenberg advanced Riffa and Hielman to engraving the letters which he had drawn, they sadly blundered. What a world of patience you had, master, when you worked through all this alone, said Hielman, showing his block, on which, after much painstaking, he had cut a Y in the shape of a well-sweep. It is a wonder to me, master, how thou didst discover this art, when it is such a labor for us to learn it, exclaimed Riffa, and he held up a bee, which looked more like a camel. There is nothing like trying, said Gutenberg pleasantly, as he went through the process of drawing another letter for each. It was, however, a source of great annoyance to him to have so many blocks ruined by his workmen, and he bethought him of a way to prevent this waste, which was to give them small strips of wood of little value on which to make their experiments in cutting letters, which may have led to the idea of movable type. Meanwhile, as he had time, he progressed with his book. By dint of patient plodding, Dritzen finished the figures of the work, when Gutenberg had accomplished the more toilsome labor of graving letters page by page. The blocks of Historia were completed, and great was the joy of all parties, none being more enthusiastic than Anna, who thought doing the work so quickly scarcely less than a miracle. Now is my time to help, said she. I can take the impressions. Her husband smiled, and Dritzen looked incredulous, which made her more eager to be of use in expediting the issue of the famous history. Gutenberg gladly accepted her proffer of aid, saying, We welcome thy assistance, my dear, and we shall all be very busy. Tonight we must fold and cut the paper into the right size for pages and also grind the umber, and make the ink, and tomorrow we will commence impressing the leaves. Thus they wrought as busy as bees, and it proved to be rare honey that they stored in those days of patient toil, honey for the world, which will never be exhausted for all time, as our sequel will show. 
Gutenberg and Dritzen impressed the pages from the engraved blocks through the early part of the next day, while Riffa and Heelman, as usual, wrought in the front shop at the old trades. In the afternoon, Dritzen relieved the two workmen while they with Anna assisted Gutenberg. After a little practice, she could take impressions as well as her husband, and when she wearied of this, she made a strong paste, and under his direction, commenced pasting the blank sides of the leaves together, for they were printed only on one side. In a few days they had a number of histories bound and ready for sale. There was great rejoicing among those early workers over the beautiful books which were the result of their toil. Now came the question how to dispose of them. The firm finally concluded to exhibit them two or three at a time in the front shop and try the effect on customers. Gutenberg, remembering the experiment with pictures, said little. He was, however, hopeful that they could in some way make a market for the edition in the course of a few weeks. If so, he felt that it would be a triumph of block printing over copying. But he was doubtful of the project of exhibiting them in the way proposed, as the more books sold, the less jewelry and mirrors. At length, Peter Schaeffer, a young man studying in Father Melchior's school in an anteroom of the cathedral, was engaged to offer them for sale to the few learned people in the place, for few comparatively knew how to read. As the books were valuable, and only small sales could be expected, he was permitted to take only one at a time. The first week, he sold two copies, and as one also was sold from the shop, the firm took courage. It was a success. At this rate, the edition would speedily be disposed of. End of section 6